Butcher Talk. Hey, what's up? Uh, this is another episode of the Butcher Bordello of Blood podcast. As always, I'm Zach Butcher, and I've got Blade Brown with me. And this week, we have our new best friend, Donnie Goodman. Donnie, hello, and how are you? Hello. I am doing well. It is uh, hot as hell in Virginia, but, yeah, you know, just uh, hanging in there and very glad to be on the show. Right on. Yeah, it's like 80, I think, in Akron, and it's 87. Holy shit, it's 87. Yeah, my friend uh my friend Callie lives in Las Vegas and uh she was posting pictures in our group chat on Instagram because her AC just like shit the bed. Yeah. And it was 97 degrees in their house and she had like a stick of butter sitting on the counter of their kitchen and it was just like melted into a pool right. of oil. It was like I just like could not imagine that <laughs> like <laughs> dude yeah. i i oh, i hate the heat i fucking hate the heat <laughs> <laughs> yeah every year i tell myself yeah well it's not so bad it's nothing compared to this winter we're having and then the summer happens again and like i want to die every day i feel so sticky there's always a layer on me oh yeah. no that's it's so funny like every single time it gets to be like february and it's been a couple months of, of of the winter i'm like i'm so ready for the summer and then like one day of hot weather hits and i'm just like ah, <laughs> i just let's get let's get through this <laughs> yep yeah it's oh man if if it could always be fall that would be fantastic Absolutely. my girlfriend and i both uh live for the fall weather she's a weirdo and will wear jeans in like august but uh aside from that falls where it's at uh, I fall's the to best Becca. season <laughs> because my new position at work, uh, I deal with dangerous chemicals. I don't know. This is like the second podcast in a row I've mentioned I deal with dangerous chemicals. But uh, Blade makes meth and just refuses to say <laughs> I mean, dude, I like, we have code. all the equipment, That's and great. I keep telling my coworker, like, fuck this. Let's start doing that on the side. But, like, <laughs> he keeps telling me no. But one day he'll agree. But, no, I yeah. work with a bunch of chemicals, and they make you wear jeans in the lab now. And before, my whole work attire for the summer was, like, jorts and cut-off shirts. And now I can't wear either of those goddamn things. (laughs) And I'm, like, short sleeve shirts with a long sleeve lab coat and jeans in this heat every day. And that's my life. That's that's miserable. And they're like, yeah, go into the back and uh, deal with the, like, chemical cabinets. And I'm like, okay, how hot is it back there? It's 100 degrees back there. And I'm just in that (laughs) every day. It's just fucking miserable. I hate it. (laughs) Does jeans really make a difference as far as, like, dealing with dangerous chemicals? Right? Uh, like, honestly, I told my boss's boss I would take the hit, and it's my bad if my legs get burned, and he still denied me. Yeah. What a fucking coward. <laughs> like, I'm like I'm dying, guys. I really am. And I, I begged for him to let me wear shorts. Like, I didn't care if my legs get, like, viscerated by chemicals. It's fine. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Um, so we're a horror podcast, I promise. Uh, so the Donnie, horrors of chemicals. <laughs> what is your earliest memory of horror? Um, let's let's see. I have I have been as long as I can remember into scary things. Um, probably my earliest memory of horror is I have a few, but. One of them is definitely when I was, I want to say, three years old. I've spent most of my life in Virginia, but uh, from about 19, 
1989, when I was a toddler, uh, my family lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, my parents decided to show me Ghostbusters 2. Hell yeah. And uh, just the, I, I remember, I think I had seen Ghostbusters 1 and really liked it, so that was why they showed me Ghostbusters 2, and for whatever reason... Uh, Vigo the Carpathian just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so I was like super traumatized by this specific scene. I can't remember the character's name, but it's the uh, the like caretaker of the museum. Yeah. Um, oh, what was his name? I can't remember, but the scene where he's possessed and like there's like a lightning bolt that comes out of the, the portrait um, and like goes into his eyes. That scene just like just absolutely scared the shit out of me. And uh, it was so bad that, like, my dad had to, like, the way that he solved it, because I was having nightmares and and just uh, having trouble sleeping. The way that he solved it was he he, he got a, uh, a Ghostbusters 2 coloring book and, like, tore out all the pictures of Ego the Carpathian and just burn, burn, did, like, a ritual. He, like, burned there them in the, in, the, in, the, in the fireplace and took a can of Lysol and sprayed it under my bed and... and uh, but at the same time, like that was that's like one of my earliest memories with scary things. But, um, yeah, I've I've just always been a fan. Um, going in, going, you know, g- g- getting a little bit older. I mean, like my parents were pretty strict when it came to like what I watched, but mm-hmm. they were not. They were not. They did not give a shit what I read. Um, as long as I was reading to them, it was it was totally fine. And uh, so. I really dove into like scary things growing up. So by like six, seven, I was uh, in first grade and checking out all of the scholastic style horror fiction. So, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark and goosebumps for sure. And it wasn't long after that. Like I had a pretty quick acceleration from goosebumps to fear street to Stephen King. Yeah. And uh so by like by like second or third grade I was like reading Stephen King novels. And um so I'd say I'm trying to think of another another good uh example of of like an early horror memory. The best times for me as far as like horror films was any time that like my parents would get together with their friends. <laughs> they always had like like at home they had the the like, you know, strict no rated r whatever kind of rules but the second that we'd enter like the home of someone else that may have horror films like to consume as long as like we were quiet and well behaved and they they were able to you know drink with their friends they didn't give it they didn't really care so i remember i was like in i want to say i was in fourth grade and i think fourth grade was like the first time that i can remember sitting and watching like real horror films and I watched uh I saw just in like one evening I watched um Army of Darkness and Aliens. I actually saw Aliens before I saw Alien. Um and then it's not exactly a horror movie but jumping into that rated R film I can distinctly remember watching um Terminator 2 as well. Yeah. And uh Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, my whole life, I've been that. You know, that just helped formulate my uh, my my love of horror. But 
I don't know, like, what... It's always an interesting conversation when I talk to people that consume a lot of horror, you know, horror fans, and um, kind of have this kind of conversation because it is it is curious. Like, I, I do wonder, like, what brings us all to it? Because for me, I don't know. It was just almost in completely natural. Like, there was no, yeah. like... There was no, like, decision. I don't know. It's just one of those things where I guess as a kid you just kind of – it's funny because, like, I have a four-year-old daughter and I am, like, s- kind of – I'm tiptoeing that line of, like, how – like, what do I personally, like, expose her to mm-hmm. and, like, what do I let her just kind of, like, naturally, like, discover and – my like my room is like horror you know every, there's horror everywhere it's like oh yeah books posters movies memorabilia just like there's just horror shit everywhere and she's like naturally curious when she's when she's in there and um so it didn't take long for her to kind of like really want to see things like ghostbusters and she's obsessed with ghostbusters and obsessed with uh <laughs> with um gremlins and oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the only uh, the only the only mistake I've made so far with, with I guess her when when she's uh, in her 30s and, and potentially doing some kind of uh, podcast about horror, right. um, she'll be telling a story about how a, a Ghostbusters 2 like story where um, I want to say it was last October. So she was she had just turned three and I don't know why I was just like mindlessly had um, some nightmare on elm street films just on in the background and i just wasn't really paying attention to like whether or not she was watching and then she i just noticed i just like looked up and up oh, she's watching the uh, part four and uh she didn't seem scared at all like she just seemed totally just like oh this is cool like what is this and i was just like oh it wasn't like nothing was terrifying on the screen that was happening but then it got to the meatball scene and like yeah. now she now she won't eat meatballs so <laughs> it's like i'm still learning that 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 uh that balance of like what you know as a person that just discovered horror early and has been into horror pretty much my my whole life i mean i can't can't think of any time where i wasn't like you know excited about some upcoming piece of horror yeah. you know a film or a uh, book or whatever just like it's just been a part of my identity pretty much my whole life and it's definitely like taken over more i think as i've gotten older but um yeah it's really interesting to see her kind of like find that spark as well and and i don't know i don't know what what leads to it i i, I don't know it's just from i think forever it seems like with her and with people that i talk to it just seems like a natural thing that's always kind of been like the thing i've noticed as well um i i'm friends with people that they don't necessarily like it they don't hate it they're like oh i've seen a couple things whatever but they're just like my parents didn't like it so i don't like it and then like i've lucked out like a few times like my girlfriend is very into horror, but my girlfriend is very into horror, I would say probably like the last five, ten years, um, and more specifically the last four years of us being together. She had seen, I think, like two horror movies before we met, and now she's, you know, she's all about it. She sits through all the same shit I do, yeah. and, I, you know, sometimes we don't match up, but a lot of the times we do, but it's like most times if someone isn't raised by 
someone like you that, you know, also loved it from an early age, they just don't get it, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm like stories like that I I'm so interested in like people that find horror later in life like yeah. that 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 haven't, you know, and, and I'll and I'll be honest, like my parents definitely did not they're not into horror like my mom cannot like she can read horror and like she actually like edits my stuff like my my Hell writing yeah. um, she's a great writer but she cannot watch it she does not consume it like that um, <laughs> she gets she gets scared of like you know like uh, very very. You know, like like a quiet place would she'd have nightmares for, for months with a film right. like that um right. so she she tends to stay away from like heavy stuff and my dad like i think he he's had pe- like periods i mean one of my i guess what i should say to go back to that question one of my earliest memories actually even though my dad isn't like a horror like an active horror fan um he definitely early on like showed me some stuff like like i remember probably when I was a little bit older than, than um, I was probably six or seven. And I can mm-hmm. clearly remember the, the first time he, uh, I think we had gone to, to blockbuster nearby and uh, he had, he had, he had brought home Romero's um, night of the living dead and just kind of talked it up, you know, cause just kind of was just like, this is the scariest movie that's ever been made. And um, and I think you're ready for it. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah. okay. And um, so so that and I, and I loved it. Absolutely loved that film. Didn't quite get it the first time. Didn't quite get all the social commentary. But this, you know, this zombies eating people is is scary. <laughs> so yeah, 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 um, yeah. So yeah, I he he didn't necessarily like. He's not a horror person, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't also didn't just completely you know ban horror from the house or anything like that um but yeah i'm so fascinated by that by by stories and through like the last couple of years of being involved in in horror fiction i'm constantly seeing that where where people are you know in their 20s and 30s like like actual adults and they're like i have never read anything scary where do i start and i'm just like oh that's so interesting like you're coming it's so cool that 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 people can kind of come into horror at any point but yeah for me it's 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 always been part of my life hell yeah yeah i like i said i i am i'm fascinated by the the late bloomers of it um and then you know everyone that is into it you know kind of has that that fear if you will you know what if your daughter doesn't like horror then like what do you do then (laughs) right (laughs) exactly oh i was definitely i i definitely was so excited um I mean, she's been she has been into uh, spooky things since yeah. she could consume media. Like she, she was two, and like just upset. Even before she could talk, she like nightmare or um, nightmare before Christmas. Like that was like oh, yeah. what she wanted to watch. I'm just like, whoa! Like you're two years old, and this is like what you're obsessed with. And yeah, yeah her yeah, current yeah. obsession is Mario, so it's a little bit different. But <laughs> like. <laughs> It, well, I mean, it, you know, there's there's uh, Luigi's Mansion, you know. Yeah, yeah, she would love a that. little bit of spooky stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but yeah, it it is it is um, it is when when she expressed an interest in it, I certainly didn't <laughs> shy away from uh, hell yeah, uh, opening the opening the the gates. <laughs> um, moving from horror, what is uh, what's your earliest memory? 
with the art that you make. Uh, I know you do a lot of writing stuff. So, I mean, you know, not writing stuff, but I know you write. Uh, Is there any other art you work on? And what's your earliest memory of writing? And if there is the, the other art you do. Yeah, I've I've been it's funny because, you know, I'm 35 now and it it took Mm -hmm. me up to the last year to really sit and say I'm going to sit and write and put something out. And uh, I I definitely do a lot of different things creatively, music and 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 different kinds of writing and um a lot of like digital media kind of things done some, yeah. f- some, 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 some filmmaking work, um, collaborating on, on short films and, and things like that in the past. And, but as far as like, I mean, go- the story in the collection, the racer blades in my head, there's a story called third grade and, uh, it is somewhat semi autobiographical in that. I think the, like the earliest I've always been into video games and, mm-hmm. When I was like a kid, like six, six ish, like first grade, I used to just like do level design, even though it was super crude. It wasn't like on any, you know, it wasn't like on some coding shit or anything like that. But it was just right. like I had a notebook and I would um, I was really into Mega Man games and I would basically just kind of separate pieces of notebook paper or computer paper into like five or six different. Uh, quadrants and then I would just kind of you know design little pathways it was like a, basically like platformer kind of levels yeah. I would I would, I would draw out platformers and create enemies and uh, I was really really into that when I was a kid and then when I and that was like before I'd even like really learned how to how to write I mean this was like kindergarten first grade and I still have like notebooks somewhere of all the uh, the, the those drawings which is pretty cool but um I quickly quickly moved into writing at in about third grade and uh horror was uh was was my genre of choice much to the chagrin of my uh my teachers my teachers did yeah. not like the fact that I wrote horror they did not like the fact that I uh read horror um so it was always a a battle in school because I was the like Stephen King evangelist after <laughs> I actually got exposed to it from like a friend who who brought in um, a copy of it and uh, basically was just like, oh, hey, you know, it's obviously I didn't read the whole thing at the time, but I read just that first, you know, the Georgie sequence and uh, it just blew my mind because at the time I was like obsessed with, you know, R.L. Stein. And so uh, jumping into King quickly and I read Pet Cemetery and The Shining and pretty much any any Stephen King book that I could get my hands on. And yeah, my yeah. teachers did not like it. They did not like it at all. <laughs> they were just like, I mean, they they tried to, you know, basically ban me from from bringing horror into school. And right. uh, my my parents fought it, which to this day I'm very thankful of because um they basically, you know, they 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 questioned that 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 potential ban and said, you know, he's not <laughs> what why why can't he not read Stephen King for his, for his uh you know, silent reading time or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, I was voraciously reading horror and then I was also writing horror and, uh, definitely heavily inspired by, by goosebumps. Some of my earliest works were like, 
adaptations or, or like um, they were basically modeled after Goosebumps. So I, I, yeah. I have this one in particular that I wrote called Dead Scouts, and <laughs> it was a, a zombie zombie ish uh, style Goosebumps novel about uh, a brother and sister who go to camp and, and encounter a group of of dead uh, Boy Scouts. And, um, the, the, ta- I still have it somewhere again. And, uh, the tagline on it was, and you thought Eagle Scouts was as high as you can go. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I wrote an, I wrote like a really, uh, like almost like a straight ripoff, but just a, a very early version. Like, like it was like kind of like Jaws, Jaws 2, kind of a combination mm-hmm. of the two movies. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But um, it was a shark, you know, a shark-based horror story, and um, so yeah, I was I that was that some of my earliest memories writing, and then it continued into pretty much my teenage years. I mean, I kind of morphed. Um, I've always been into genre fiction my whole life, so and just genres in general, genre media. So in addition to horror, like I love fantasy and science fiction and crime and. So, um, I kind of also had a period there where I was writing some, some, I, I loved Mar- uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. And, uh, I went through like a phase of writing some fantasy and, um, mostly like short stories and novel, you know, starting novels. I, 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 I've, yeah. I, to this day, I've never taken a manuscript past like eight to 10,000 words, but that's my next goal for sure is to, uh, to knock out a a story that's that's at least like like 30,000 words um but yeah so like over the years it kind of ebbed and flowed i i I, there was a period there where i wrote you know got really into to writing um like music uh learned how to play guitar in seventh grade so writing songs and uh eventually i in college i i did some collaboration with a guy on some hip hop. So I, like writing song, like lyrics and, 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 and raps and things like that. Um, got really into that in like my, my late teens, early twenties. And then throughout my twenties, like that was like creatively like a period where, uh, I joined education out of college and I, I just had this weird dead zone where I was like focusing on teaching and, I was, I was married for 10 years. And so it's just like life got in the way. And then mm-hmm. about three and three years ago, um, I just decided, um, like I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get back into this. And I, about 2017, I really, uh, rediscovered my love for reading and that kind of pushed me into, I, I, and I hadn't, ever really used social media before. So I'd always been kind of resistant to, uh, to, to social media platforms. And so I just joined Instagram on a web one day, uh, just to see like what, if there was like a, a horror fiction community and there, there was, and, oh yeah, uh, so I just kind of joined it and started contributing and kind of just took over my life. And one thing led to another and, uh, yeah, it was about November of 2020, I had actually started a couple things, um, like a couple short stories in late 2019 and early 2020, but it was, it was November of 2020 where 
um, Cabino Iglesias put out a, a call for a uh, a Hallmark movie uh, holiday themed <laughs> like short story anthology, and yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, hell yeah! I had an idea like immediately because it was around Thanksgiving, so I was like, I'm gonna write killer turkeys, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 and so I didn't end up finishing uh the story like a story or have get a story ready by the time the um the the submission call was was complete but it once i i, I kind of like put it out there i released it on twitter and it got a pretty pretty positive response and that was just kind of pretty um it, it was uh motivating i'll say and so i just said fuck it i'm gonna do this i'm gonna i had like a document of 50 or so ideas and so, and I knew it was going to be a short story collection because I think my issue in all of that, um, up to this, the release of this collection was that I, w- I always used to just try to say, I'm going to write, you know, a novel. And so I would write, you know, 3000 words here, 4,000 words here on some idea and just get discouraged because it just wanted, you know, writing a novel is really goddamn hard. <laughs> so <laughs> I have like after 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 the last year of like putting together the razor blades in my head, like I have I already did. It's not like I didn't have respect for for novelists, but I definitely have a a very healthy <laughs> respect for somebody that can take a story and stretch it over 40 to 80,000 words and yeah. have it have it end up good at the, at the end because it's not it's not easy and I I really really enjoyed um, after writing Gobble Gobble the the, the turkey story in, in November um, I just said you know I'm going to pick out 10 to 15 ideas from this document that I had been keeping for a pretty long time and just kind of made made a promise a pledge to myself to make it happen and uh made sure to to when it became april of this year to to have things done so yeah um so on uh on amazon it says that the old bay king was the first thing you had released but that was in february uh so between February and then June, you know, how, uh, how much writing were you busting out in those couple months? Was this like an everyday thing? Was this, uh, you know, did you, did you, this, like I said, the book was written in February. Did you release it like the day after you wrote it? You know, had you been sitting on it for a while? Yeah, it's funny. I, so I'm not sure if this is a thing that I didn't have like an example in my head as far as the marketing aspect of it. Um, I'm actually, I've, after doing it, I've, I'm wondering why more certainly self-published writers don't do this um, that are going to do collections because I don't know. I, I, I kind of equated it to the old Bay King being a single to the album um, so I, sure. you know, I, I had never released anything before now that I've released a couple of things. I don't know if I need to do that again, but I think it was just to, I felt good about the story and, um, had gotten some pretty positive feedback behind the scenes, um, before I had released it. And I asked a couple of people, I said, do you think that this is a good idea? And, and 
you know, releasing this independent story that would be in a collection that would become, you know, a couple of months later. And yeah. pretty much everybody I said, everybody that I talked to was like, oh, yeah, it's that's actually a really good idea. So I went with it and definitely it it I think, you know, it was a, a success as far as, yeah, like people it got eyes on my work as a writer. And I wrote I'd actually come up with the idea for the Old Bay King <laughs> like a really long time ago i mean in college in like 20, 2007 mm-hmm. uh somewhere in there and and the 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 idea shifted and evolved over the years but um i finally just sat down and and knocked that one out in february in a in a period of like i mean it just that that one flew um compared to some of the other ones so i i got it done i was really excited about it and at the time when i released it i probably had I think I'd had about 30% of the collection done. So I, I did have like f- three or four other stories completed. And so between February and May, like the middle of May, I, I knocked mm-hmm. out the rest. And so it was like, you know, six or seven other stories. And uh, I didn't, I didn't have like a specific, like, I don't, I don't, I just write when I can. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't have a, a set schedule. I mean, I'm trying to get better about that, but, um, that's another thing that just like prior to this project, I used to just like beat myself up over that, that kind of stuff. Just like, Oh, I'm not like doing my 500 words a day or whatever, whatever goal it is. Um, so I kind of stopped doing that. And I think that helped a lot just to kind of, you know, like there were points writing it where I definitely said okay I need to sit down and re- like I need to do this um yeah. but 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 for the most part I just kind of you know uh, I I did I did have the ideas pretty much for the most part ahead of time and 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 I if I sat down with a document and uh intended on writing one thing but then felt pretty good about something other i just kind of went with the flow i guess and um i think it was it was you know there's 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 stuff in the approach that i'll change in the future but um yeah releasing the old bay king in february was definitely just i i don't i think i was just sitting there when it was done and i just came up with the idea like hey i should i i think what i i think what it was now that I'm now that I'm remembering was that I there was a time like you'd you'd be surprised like it's act, there actually aren't often very many um, submission calls from publishers for for collections. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot of them just want novels or novellas. Um, I think there might be some some market research to suggest that they don't like collections don't sell as well as novels or novellas, but. Um, I knew that it was going to be a collection and I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to like, there was actually a call that I really wanted to submit to in March, but I knew that I would not have it done. Like there was just no way that I was going to have, have the collection done by March. So I kind of skipped that one, but, um, yeah, it, uh, when I finished the old Bay King, I just said, gosh, I should just put this out. And I, I wanted to learn um, Kindle direct publishing. And, mm-hmm. uh, so it was kind of an experiment. It, it was, it was, it, it had two functions. One was that it would allow me to 
put something out, I knew it would be 99 cents or free on uh, Kindle Unlimited. So I, I was I was hopeful that folks would would potentially check it out for a buck. And um, I did see that there are other short stories that are on there, you know, for for a dollar. So it wasn't like, you know, there's a precedent set there. So um, th- so there was that element. And then I also just wanted to see like what self-publishing that whole process what it what it looks like what it feels like and i kind of wanted to learn before putting out uh the full collection because like i said i knew that it was you know by by like february knowing that i wasn't going to make the submission call for this one publisher um i knew that it was going to be something that i would release uh independently so i wanted to learn the process and figured putting out the the short story would be a good way to do that yeah right on okay um moving uh moving from there what uh how did you wind up working on uh Gorefest that comes out in October September October yeah yeah um so while gosh i i, I don't know exactly when i submitted that i want to say that i submitted that in february so it was around the same time i just saw the call for that um, cause I am, che- I am constantly checking the, uh, there's a couple of like websites that aggregate like submission calls to, to publishers in the horror community. There's like horror tree, um, a couple others. And there's some people out there on, on Twitter that, that do, uh, newsletters and are constantly kind of routing them up. And so this one just caught my eye because yeah. it was, it was from K trap Jones and I had actually, uh, started his, anthology from the the publisher that he runs is the evil cookie and i had started um brutality uh, like a couple like the previous year which is like a w- was an alcohol related and like splatterpunk anthology that i just thought was mm-hmm. awesome and um so i saw the call and just said you know i'm gonna i had a i had a an idea that, that came to mind pretty quick and uh put together uh put that uh, that was like the old bay king that story just kind of like you know i'd say like 50 percent of the stories and the collection just kind of flew you know they 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 were <laughs> Hell yeah. they were like i'll sit down on a weekend and, and knock it out um the, the other half were kind of like you know start it come back to it work on it tweak it here tweak it there but but this one for Gorefest was just like once it once I started typing it, it went pretty, pretty quickly. I, I don't remember how long it took to finish, but it was definitely like a, you know, a two day type thing. It was, it was, it was fast. Yeah. Um, so I submitted it, it got accepted and, uh, yeah, it, that's my first, uh, my first release, um, from a publisher, which I'm really excited about. And, uh, my story is called influencers <laughs> and, uh, it's very, very nasty. <laughs> That's Hell what yeah. I'll say. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, what is, uh, what's, what's Scream Magazine and how did you start working with them? Uh, Scream Magazine is just kind of one of the, one of the leading publications, like a leading, like print publications that still exists. Um, and I, in about 2018 ish, like I, I mentioned that I had created my Instagram in about 20, I thought maybe it was early 2018, but not long after that, 
um, when I was just posting books that I was collecting and reading because I'm an avid um, vintage horror collector. I have a, a ton of vintage horror paperback um, horror books. Oh, yeah. And, I've um, seen your insane shelf. Like, that yeah. shit rules, dude. Yeah, it's that's been like my life's that's like my midlife crisis right there <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Thirty five is your midlife crisis. Yeah, we'll call it that. It's hopefully it'll it'll last it'll last to you know my my forties. But yeah, it's it's the I think it's the equivalent of that. Right on. And, and um, yeah, so I was posting you know st- book hauls and I was going out and um, and so that was kind of like initially what I was kind of contributing um to to my instagram account but then i don't i don't even know what made me start i just saw a lot of people kind of posting reviews and i thought it was cool i was just like oh that's that's interesting and so i i i think my one of my first ones was basically i got i started posting reviews and then over time just like over like a six month period of time i started i also started um networking here and there and um uh sadie hartman who runs uh nightworms started to put together a team of of folks that that were going to review um releases and so uh she brought me in to to that whole world and um I started reviewing for the Nightworms blog and then it wasn't, it was probably about a year and a half after that, after I'd been reviewing pretty consistently like new, new stuff. Cause at the time I was prior to that, I'd been reviewing like older things and um, yeah, just not, not like new releases. And uh, yeah, just a, 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 someone left, left the scream magazine, re- scream magazine review team. And uh, my name got got thrown tossed into the hat, and I sent him some samples from some of the uh, the editor some samples from some of the reviews that I had done, and he brought me on board. And that was about I think it was about a year ago. Um, I think I've done six issues now. So uh, yeah, Scream Magazine. It's it's one of those. That was like the first time that I actually got to see my name in print, which was really cool. Yeah, hell and, yeah. That's um, yeah. It's I, I, I'm a I, pretty much any. I don't have an active subscription to Rue Morgue anymore, but right. I if there's a horror magazine, like I'm pretty like I I just got my new Fangoria like a couple days ago, and like getting Scream every month is or every that's uh, every two months, um, getting those in the mail is is always a, a treat because I don't know I just like I'm glad that it still exists because print media is obviously so such a a tough industry in 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 2021 but it's really cool that that the horror community keeps those uh those companies afloat yeah absolutely i i i'm always fascinated because you know like you see all these comic book publishers and they're like well you know i think we're gonna go digital and even like with covid marvel and dc we're talking about possibly you know dying off yeah and Horror seems to always keep something afloat, and I think it's fascinating. Fangoria, it feels like it's died ten times, and oh it always gosh, comes yeah. back. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, they, they, I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, I know that they had some kind of, uh, you know, hubbub like even last year, and almost sank the company, and they were yeah. able to 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 work through it, but. 
um yeah i'm i'm really glad that that it it is something that is continuing to to happen and um it's one of those things where when i i was not able to collect it when i was a kid so now that i'm you know an adult and and have the means to do it i'm i'm really excited that it's still around and still putting out you know the second volume it's really cool yeah oh yeah I think the only issue I own a physical copy of is the Joe Bob Briggs one, but I still, I understand overall. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I know you also do, uh, you do some YouTube videos as well. Uh, was that something that you started doing prior to getting into writing? Was it a, you know, like what, uh, what drove you to start doing that? Was it the similar thing with what you're doing with Scream, how it was... Or not screen with Instagram, how it was like, you know, posting things that you had collected and talking about them. Yeah, I just I I had always really been interested in the idea of doing a YouTube channel for the longest time. And yeah. I kind of I had a whole bunch of different um, ideas over the years. And it was just the kind of thing where it's just I'd never. I don't know, I just couldn't I, I couldn't think of something that would that I could do, I guess. I I don't know. I just, I always wanted to do some kind of like video focused content and, um, yeah. sitting down in front of a camera and talking about, you know, like it, I'm, I guess it's categorized as a book too, because it's definitely book, um, heavy as far as like my channel. But at the same time, like, I don't, you know, like I'll talk, I, 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 I tried to, I looked at what everybody was doing and tried to like create my own little show, I guess. So it's, you know, it's a on, on it's typically about 20 minutes. And so it's, it's, it's the length of like a short podcast or like a, um, you know, a TV show every, and I, and I don't release it every week. I I've taken a couple of, of pretty significant hiatuses just because when I'm busy, it's like, that's like the first part of my bandwidth that I have to cut sadly, but sure, like I was yeah. working on the, on the collection and, but anyway, though I've, I've done two episodes recently and, uh, I think I've done 21 so far. I started about a year ago. It was August of, of 2020 when I, when I decided to, to jump in. And so, yeah, the show, it, it generally does focus on things that I'm reading, things that I'm watching, but yeah, it can include anything from horror news to, um, you know, discussion points in the, in the horror community. And, uh, various yeah various things you know like last this week i talked about resident evil 8 and uh spent some time talking about that so it's it's yeah. it's a book focused channel but i also talk about other things related to horror and i think that that's one of the things one of the reasons why i wanted to create it was because um it you know the the instagram is is definitely a book focused uh account and twitter is I, I i like twitter a lot but it's like you're not you know it's it's there's different ways to create content on there but it's not exactly the same thing as as oh, what you dude, can do you, on youtube you made the mistake of following me on twitter so i mean you, you've <laughs> seen it like I, I i don't even know what i'm doing on twitter i just no, like, i open the app and i i write some words I close the app, and then 20 <laughs> minutes later, one of my friends asked me why I'm like this, and I'm like, I've done my job for the hour. So yeah, yeah. no, dude, oh hell yeah, <laughs> no, I Twitter Twitter gets a bad rep, but like 
it's like any social media network. I think it's like you have to kind of uh, cultivate your own kind of experience on there as much as you can. Um, and so right now I've got it to the point where like I'm following the right people and uh, I don't know. Whenever I'm on there, it's it's generally like, you know, it's a it's as far as social media networks go. It's it, it it's I have found it to be pretty useful um and even though i'm sure some people have muted me over the last 3 months for <laughs> po- po- posting things related to my book it's it it sounds silly but it's like the only way or like one of the only ways that um an independent author can can get their books out there and i've def- i definitely credit that specific network to uh to providing me with some opportunities that that have been pretty important. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. I see, I see, I see the benefits to it in a lot of ways, but I also, I also get why people don't like it. And, uh, I think it's just about balance, but yeah, YouTube was just, yeah, it was just another, I think, I think in 2021, it's just the kind of thing where, um, if you're going to be an independent creator, even though it's, it can lead to burnout and lead to exhaustion it's just the kind of thing where it's like the more pots you you have your your spoon in uh the better um because you know not everybody that watches the youtube thing might follow me on on youtube or whatever so right. it's just the kind of thing where once i once i started things going on on instagram and started things going on twitter and it was just like i wanted to do it i wanted to have a a youtube show but um I also saw the kind of the practical, uh, you know, I, I have a couple of friends on there that have, you know, 10,000 subscribers. And even though they're not constantly talking about what they're writing or what they're doing creatively, it's, you know, that, that translates into, you know, people checking out the, the stuff that you're working on. So I saw value in it that way too, but it's also just fun to kind of just, yeah, talk about, like I said, talk about the, the, the things in horror that I really like and, uh, that I don't get to express through just like a, an Instagram post or whatever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, kind of like what you said, the, uh, fucking Resident Evil 8. I mean, I, I want to talk about Resident Evil 8 all day. So I, I understand. I had a lot of fun with it. I, I thought it was thought it was great um and i was upset because so many people i was friends with had not played it and i was like so i did not get to talk about it so using the the various outlets to do anything i think it i think it works out well um you had talked earlier about uh making music are you are you still actively making music do you still do anything in particular so i um i I'm an educator and I'm, I work for uh, a school division where I'm doing essentially a lot of like digital media instruction with students. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just kind of like the, the, the path that I've carved out kind of for myself <laughs> because like, I don't know, there just, there wasn't that in the, in the County that I joined back in 2009. And I just kind of created a program for, for it started honestly as a, uh, a program for teenagers to to make music and it's kind of evolved over the years into to like a little bit more than that it's where now there there's a little bit of videography a little bit of animation a little bit of everything um, yeah. but music and making music was always something that i loved as a uh as a teenager 
and uh, you know something that I did in my twenties a lot, and I still I still make music, but it's much more. Um, it's much like like essentially now like I'm teaching and 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 working with students, helping them make music, and then like on my lunch break, I'll I'll pop into like the studio and you know like work for thirty minutes. I mean, I have released some music that I've actually recorded, you know, like after school and before school and just any, any in, in the studio where I'm like actively working with students too. So I've taken it, I've taken advantage of that time. And it's kind of like, um, I I think I've, my, the last thing that I released was, I want to say it was in 2020. So it wasn't like a super long time ago, but, um, I've released two, two singles and an EP in the last like five years. So it's something that I definitely, I definitely try to continue doing. Um, you know, in, in, in college I was in bands and, uh, for, I've been trying to, to just locally, I actually just met some musicians like right before COVID hit that, that we had jammed a couple of times and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, just once COVID hit, it was just like, you know, I haven't talked to them since. So, it is what it is, but yeah, music, music is music. Honestly, was probably the prior to kind of like diving into this world of um, fiction was was like the thing that like creatively that I that I did most often for sure. Like throughout my twenties and and early thirties. Hell yeah! I uh, music has become a big part of my everyday everything so i understand on that front um you had talked earlier about uh uh goosebumps and going into um fear street have you watched the first two fear street movies did you like them all right i've seen the first one i've not seen 78 yet i really really want to check it out i it's been so interesting because like the first wave of people that i uh kind of follow seem to really really enjoy yeah 94 and then like just in the last couple of days i've seen some people just like just that absolutely hated it and um i liked it personally i i don't really being an avid reader of fear street from you know like from the liter- literary perspective like i didn't really see the the connections to to what you know it was basically just kind of a um, a love letter to the nineties, but I yeah. thought, I thought it was, I, I don't know. Personally, I enjoyed it. I, someone was talking today about, they hated all the characters and they thought it was lame that the main character or one of the main characters was a valedictorian that sells drugs. I was like, that's one of the reasons why I liked it. I thought that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, you know, I thought, I thought it was a, you know, a brutal, a brutal, pretty, uh, pretty i mean compared to some of the other stuff that comes out like you know for a netflix original production i i thought it was pretty pretty awesome and um like i said i haven't seen 78 yet but i've heard good things about that one as well and i'm of the mind if they can uh stick the landing with the third one with 1666 like this is a great thing for horror because it's like the most popular thing on Netflix right now. And it's bringing right. a, a whole, like I posted, um, I, I, at this point I used to own way more when I was a kid, but 
I posted a picture and just added the the Fear Street hashtag, and it just like, you know, it, for, for my account at least, it it got, you know, like retweeted a bunch, and yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. many reactions to it were from like younger people saying, "Oh, these were books like people are discovering like." these you know people are discovering hor- like a world of horror fiction that they did not know because of this uh this trilogy so i think that's great i i i am looking forward to checking out the rest for sure i uh i really like the first one i i liked the second one uh the I I think like on Letterboxd it was like I gave number one a three point five and I gave number two a three. And I was like, you know what? Like I don't even care. That's fine by me. I'm concerned because uh I do not like period pieces, quote yeah. unquote. So yeah, I'm yeah. terrified that I'm gonna hate three. I hated the witch and three just feels like it's gonna be the fucking witch. Um uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if they take it like the Robert Eggers, like full on old English. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I saw The Witch in theaters, I, like, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like the sound mix or something, but I could not understand any of the dialogue. Not even because (laughs) it was not, not even because of the style of the language, just like it was so muddy. Like I, yeah. it just, it sounded like it, I was underwater the whole time. It was really strange. Right. I, yeah, I watched it at home and I remember like I finished it and I was just like, well, that was a movie. All right. And then <laughs> yeah. one of my friends, uh, he was like, should I watch it? And I was like, dude, I fucking hated it. So I guess let me know. And he was like, yeah, I watched an hour and turned it off. I'm cool. I'm done. And I was like, yeah, all right. And then the lighthouse came out and I saw it in theaters and I loved it. I, yeah. I bought it the day it came out. I made my dad watch it. I I was I had a great fucking time. I saw it at a art theater, and there was like a mom and her daughter, and the girl was you know like in her teens, and she was just not having a good time with it. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, did this girl get roped into it? Was it? Was her mom just like, it's that boy from the vampire movies. He'll, you know, like, like, how did this girl wind up here and why is she so miserable? But like, that's my big memory of it is just this teenager having a terrible two hours. But I fucking, I, I I thought it was great. Um, and I, I, I am hopeful for this other one, but like I said, I've got very big fears that something's gonna, you know, draw me out and I'm just gonna be like, yep, that was the. That was the one that ruined it for me. But I will say, um, Netflix seems to do a great job of grabbing everything I have, like, nostalgic feelings for, just right by the balls and not fucking it up. So I'm like, okay, I'll take it. You know, Umbrella Academy was great. I'm really enjoying this, even though it has no real connection to Fear Street. But, I mean, R.L. Stein's getting the paycheck, so whatever. Good for him. (laughs) They're going to do that Cowboy Bebop thing, and I'm real nervous. Oh, I didn't know about that. That's that. That is nerve. Definitely makes me nervous to hear that. Just, just close They're your eyes. Fucking <laughs> what? Is it live? Live action? Yeah. No. Did yeah. you see the live action Death Note? No. Yeah. Hey, don't ever say that again on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't hate that one. I really didn't. I was so. All right, everybody. Enough. That's been uh, Butcher Boy <laughs> Blood episode thirteen. <laughs> 
I I had gone so long without watching or reading Death Note that we watched the live action one, and I was just like, yeah, that was a really enjoyable movie by itself. Like I was able to separate it enough, you know, that it didn't ruin anything for me. As you were talking, I realized I could just mute you from the entire podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Whatever. But yeah, they're doing a action Cowboy Bebop. Uh, There is going to be a Corgi in it, so at least there's that much. (laughs) Well, that, yeah. They're setting the bar low. (laughs) At least a a two out of five on Letterboxd. (laughs) Um, What, uh... I've literally, so I just figured it out, but since you mentioned Fear Street a little while ago, I've been trying to figure out the fucking name of a two-part series that they did for Fear Street, you know, way back when, and I just figured it out right now. This was Uh, a book, or this was a TV show? The book. Okay, okay. It came out in 97. It's called uh, Fear Hall, and I remember it being really good, so now I have high hopes of trying to find another copy and see if it was good. Right on. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a few of them that are, that were really solid. Definitely, definitely. Um, it up the ante from Goosebumps, and I haven't read. I actually have not dived in to a Fear Street one in a long time, but but I kind of want to now. It's just a there was one called a Teacher's Pet or something like. I think it was Teacher's Pet or uh, Final Exam. It was called Final Exam. Hell yeah! I remember, I remember loving. As was a, it better a than kid. the movie? <laughs> I think so, yes. Oh, my gosh. That's not saying I, much, though. Yeah, I, I was so excited to watch Final Exam, and I was live texting Blade, and I was like, nothing's happened for 45 minutes. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so bad, dude. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that R.L. Stein's getting that paycheck. Uh, I love that man. As an Ohio native, he can do no wrong. Yeah, it's it's really, really interesting to kind of see how it, the the cycle of of R.L. Stein being so popular, you know, growing up, and then you know not so much for right. you know up until you know this revival of of like YA horror based adaptations that we've been getting for the last you know five years or so right, from right. from Goosebumps to um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and. Um, you know, I just, I actually, uh, Point Horror, I didn't even know, but uh, a friend of mine told me that Point Horror was getting a, a uh, an adaptation of some kind. Christopher Pike is getting an adaptation series, I think with wow. Hulu. So these kind of streaming networks are going to kind of like battle over these, these properties for the next couple of years after seeing, I mean, the, I don't know the specific statistics, but right. from what I've read, it's been very popular and very, you know, very successful for Netflix. So. I'm I'm interested to see if we get uh, R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour on a streaming service because I own like three VHS tapes of it, you know, and it just kind of sits in the ether. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one of the, one of the scariest things I've ever seen. I still I haven't seen it in a long time, but I just remember the uh, the Haunted Mask episode oh, of Goosebumps is like so so scary. <laughs> so the Haunted scary. Mask rules hard, man. Yeah. Um. I oh man I I've got some great memories with Goosebumps. Um, I vividly remember uh, the like the trilogy of Slappy, like just terrifying yeah. shit out of me. You know, I was just like, <laughs> nah, no, nah, that's that's too much for me. And even now, like <laughs> dolls are fucking weird. I don't like dolls. Like, 
Have you seen Clown? Uh, is that the one that Eli Roth produced? Yeah. Yeah, that movie was extremely unsettling, and I had a great <laughs> so, time with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it reminded me so much of The Haunted Mask, but it's, yeah, that movie is really, really unsettling. Yeah, yeah, they they found a great middle ground of, like, drawing that movie from horror into, like, you almost feel bad. You're watching this man, like, struggle with some symbiote thing, and you're just like, yeah, this is, like, the adult version of, the Venom storyline, and then it just gets worse and worse, and it's like, gosh, fuck. Oh, and that was like such a great appearance from Peter Stormare. Like the when he shows up, and then he's just like, "Did you put it?" He's like, "You put it on." He's like, "Oh no, yeah. it's not. It's not a suit. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. a demon." <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed that. I was fuck, dude. I haven't thought about that movie in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, on like Tubi, I think, for free. Yeah, and um, yeah. I had I my my I had to show my girlfriend that like at some point in the last year because she hadn't seen it and I was like oh we gotta watch Clown <laughs> and it was it was just as good the second time. Hell yeah! Is your girlfriend also into horror? Oh yeah, yeah. Good. That's good. That's 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 how we met actually through social media networks. Um, you know, pinging on the same the same kind of uh, vintage horror uh, stuff. So yeah, um, yeah, it brought us together for sure. Right on. Hell yeah. Um, what, uh, what's like a, a top five for you movie wise of all time? It can be horror. It cannot be horror. You know? Yeah. I, I'm like such a sucker for like just the, the pillars, you know, the classics. Like I, I find myself rewatching stuff like, um, uh, I just, just, I think yesterday, the day before, while I was doing some, I was cleaning up my house. I just put on Hellraiser. Um, I've probably, I've probably had Hellraiser on my TV probably, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, I love the, the first, I really like the fourth one, but I, I love the first three Hellraiser movies. Um, I, I really, I love one and two. Yeah. Um, Hellraiser three is fine. I don't know if I would ever rewatch anything <laughs> after three. My girlfriend really liked one and two, and I'm just like, we'll just stop there. We'll we'll keep it perfect, you know. We won't we won't sully anything. I cannot wait for their uh, the HBO is doing a, a series, and um, I literally cannot wait for it because isn't Clive Barker working on it too? Yeah, he's. Oh, he, yeah, I can't I'm remember thrilled. his. I can't remember the specific role, but I, I want to say he's just like an exec. He's 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 attached to it more than he ever has been since you know part two, right? Um, so and and I think I think the rights actually reverted back to to Clive Barker at some point in the last like year and a half so it's 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 definitely definitely good for that series but yeah i mean i love hellraiser i love um halloween um, sure yeah halloween is one of my favorites alien um oh, fuck I, mentioned, yeah. I love alien I, I mentioned that aliens i saw first and i do love i i love the whole series pretty much um i even find things that i like about you know the fourth one um there's my so, breaking point. You can just the, say it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, 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 my breaking point was uh, was actually the see, the the more modern ones. Um, I think they're good films or whatever. Like they're they're right. they're, they're filmed beautifully and um, they're they're philosophically interesting. But I just hate 
like the, I literally have not been so angry as a fan. I I, <laughs> I, I, I hate when fans like freak out over like right. the, over like I don't know issues with 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 creative properties. And I say that, and then I had my own like moment where I didn't, you know, I didn't go on Twitter and say anything. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was so unhappy when I walked out of the theater uh, seeing Alien Covenant, um, just because. And I mean, it's again, it's it's a, it's not that it's a a bad film. It's actually made very very like it's well crafted. It's it's Ridley Scott. You can't do wrong with it. It's right. just it explains it gives the an origin like the reason why I love aliens so much. The reason why I find it so scary is because you don't know, like you don't have the answers to why the space jockey's there and yeah. why the xenomorph like you, there's no, that all of that is unanswered. And I love, I love that. Like, and, and again, aliens and the, the, the more the, the movies like, continue it starts to kind of unravel at, at at that question but if you just take alien by itself at face value just it's so scary because you don't know why the alien is there or why the the eggs are there and um right. so so anyway so i love alien um i was just i just brought up john carpenter uh this is actually funny like i just on uh Memorial Day this past um, this past year, just a couple weeks ago, um, right when like theaters started to reopen in this area, Alamo Drafthouse did a uh, a screening of They Live, and I had never seen oh, yeah. They Live before. Oh my god, that movie was so good! I so cannot believe they, I cannot believe I, I went 30, 35 years <laughs> on this planet without seeing They Live. How yeah. the fuck not? I. They Live is uh, every, it used to be every November, but then, you know, since moving out now, now we just kind of do it individually and text about it. But uh, every election day, my dad and I would watch They Live. It has been that a tradition for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I fucking, I love that movie. The oh, thing so is my, that's my Carpenter masterpiece. Hold on. But yeah. They Live is up there. If you spent this long never having seen They Live, have you seen In the Mouth of Madness? Yes, I have seen In the Mouth oh, of Madness. Oh, fucking thank Love God. that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They Live was like one of the few, I think, honestly, one of the f- only um, Carpenter, that may have been the only Carpenter film that I hadn't seen at least once. How? Um, How is that yeah. the one, man? That's incredible. Yeah, I, I don't like, know. Don't don't get me wrong. Like, I... I'm not trying to make you feel bad for it, but when I, I think about, I, I can tell you are, when I think about like the Carpenter filmography, I'm just like, you know, I could go the rest of my life without seeing Dark Star or <laughs> Village, of uh, the Damned. <laughs> Village of the Damned, but I'm just like, they live is like, it's an important one. I, I am happy you've seen it. Do not get me wrong, but I'm just no, like, I... you've seen Village of the Damned and I'm sorry. <laughs> like. Yeah, no, I I just lo- I just love Ghosts of Mars. I just <laughs> no, I I don't know. I honestly don't even know how I missed it. I mean, I love wrestling too. So you know the right. the, the Roddy Piper and Keith David. I mean, it was just it was a magnif. It was one of those things. It was a magnificent experience. I'm you know considering I I got to see it like at Alamo Draft House. Oh, I think that fuck was a, yeah. It was a great a great way to experience it. It was. uh 
it's one of those movies where it's just like I'm kind of glad I saw it when I did too because like in 2021 that film it, I just was the whole time I was watching it I just could not believe how how much of a how much it connects to like today it's just yeah. oh yeah it is so accurate considering when it came out to like the to to the world today um and and yeah i just yeah Ama- uh, absolutely amazing film but yeah i had to bring that up because I, I i i mentioned halloween which i've you know i've seen halloween like god hundreds of times i feel um, like at this point in my life i've seen halloween like every way it can be shown i've seen it at an independent theater i've seen it at a drive-in i've seen like a remaster of it i've watched it at home on vhs dvd blu-ray you know but it's yeah. like and, and it's don't it's good don't get me wrong but yeah like something like they live like it holds a different place in your heart i completely understand yeah and i mean the thing has to be it also along with you know the halloween has to be in my you know top top five i mean hellraiser the thing halloween and if i know only, only get one carpenter it's got to be that one um yeah um i don't know i could talk horror movies like <laughs> for, for hours and hours and sure, hours sure. I, I mean that's why you're here hello yeah. <laughs> i mean i love um i'm trying to think of some others uh texas chainsaw massacre definitely is one of my favorites mm-hmm. i know it's another another pillar um i'm trying to think of like a a weirder like I, this is like a, a lesser known one but like something that I just have always really really enjoyed um, and think that it just doesn't get enough so a movie that I'm constantly like exposing to to people um, horror fans is uh, I love uh, Behind the Mask The Rise of Wesley Vernon hell yeah I am dude. so pleasantly surprised this is the first time it's ever been mentioned in our podcast what god, a movie. that movie is so fucking good what oh my god it's movie, so fucking dude. good and it's like it's like not like anytime I'm so glad that y'all have seen it because like I bring that movie up with people like like people that are well read people that are well like people have seen a lot of horror films and it's just oh I've never seen that I'm like oh my god like it is such a just like the, I mean, even if you take like the third act out of it, where it like yeah. gets gets super meta, like wow, I was gonna be like, yeah, so like we all can agree that it's really top heavy, right? As a movie, <laughs> like it's really top heavy. Yeah, yeah. I just, I and I just love. It's just so there. It's so funny. Like it's just so funny, and because it like takes itself so seriously, <laughs> like 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 the way that they it like reveres. Fred it talks about they talk about Freddy and and Jason and these like these tones of reverence and um, man have any of these weird boutique labels done a release of that I don't know man I mean to so I Blade and I have talked like off off uh, off Mike we would love to have Adam Green on and if Adam Green shut the fuck up if Adam (laughs) Green uh, is listening and is gonna take it to heart I think uh, Behind the Mask is better than Hatchet, and I think that they're the same movie, but Behind the Mask did it a lot better, and that should have gotten, like, ten sequels instead of Hatchet. Hold but... on. How are they comparable? I they're think both that... goofy modern slashers, yeah, but Rise of Leslie Vernon is, like, a meta-documentary, I guess? Yeah. But, like, I think that it's it holds the same general values of... 
it's mocking something with love and hatchet is you know i really like friday the 13th i think you're the first person to ever compare the two movies i'm not gonna lie like i I just like that's a weird left field comparison like comparison you could be like yeah terrifier and hatchet are pretty much the same movie and i'd be like yeah you're right yeah terrifier sucks it doesn't Um... but you'd be uh (laughs) you'd be wrong uh what's uh what's the worst movie you've ever seen it could be horror yeah it could be horror it could be you know something else what uh what left like such a bad taste in your mouth that you're like i'm buying a gun I mean, like the most recent thing that I can think of was I when I walked out of the theater seeing Suicide Squad, I was like, I mean, that's a more recent film, obviously. But I that I think Suicide Squad is the worst, the the most poorly edited Hollywood film I've seen ever. Um, I could not still and I've only seen it. I think I've seen the full movie once in the theaters and then I saw like 20 minutes of it some at some other point and. I'm still just, I feel so bad for David Ayer because, like, I don't know what, like, the whole, and, and I will say that I'm actually, I'm, I think James Gunn's uh, reboot or whatever it is, like, I don't know if it's a sequel or what, but right. it's like, I think that that film actually looks a lot better. Um, and I'm not, like, super into, like, comic books the way that a lot of people are, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, I wanted to check it out and... um I thought it looked interesting and just the fact that that film takes place over 24 hours just ma- makes no sense like it from a story perspective like it just it makes no sense how the characters hate each other at the beginning and then in one day like by the end they're like you know crying for each other and like right. it just just it's just very 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 edited very very strangely um and and yeah so i'd say that that that's one for sure that's where i was like i mean i can remember just walking out of the theater and just being like what the hell like like i cannot believe you know eminem was just blasting i was just like what what did and credits i'm just like what did i just see um i i have high hopes for the james gunn one i am a big james gunn fan yeah Uh, and I am a big comic book nerd, but I, I'm just like, James Gunn hasn't let me down before, so hopefully he doesn't let me down now, and we can kind of re redirect it into a much better field. Yeah, I'll say that I also, this is more recent as well, like, I, I really, really did not like the... Uh the adaptation um the most recent adaptation of pet cemetery i really remember enjoying uh the idea of the mix-up you know like oh they're going with this instead and i was like yeah that's cool and then like the ramones reference was nice but then like the rest of the movie i was like yeah okay uh, that's fine it it could end at any moment and i'd be okay yeah that's that's the thing it just I love Pet Cemetery so much, both book, the book and the the, uh, the the older film, and right, yeah, it's just I was nervous, but I was also hopeful because Doctor Sleep was so good, and I don't know, I just I saw Doctor Sleep before Pet Cemetery, um, and just it, I think that that also tainted my my view was was that I loved Doctor Sleep so much, and then saw it, and it was so like. 
you know, it's certainly not the worst horror adaptation ever, yeah. but it's it's it not just, the worst King adaptation ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm it looking was... at you, Cujo. <laughs> I would rank but, Cujo above like Langoliers or something else. Hold up, know. why oh, did yeah. why did you come for Langoliers? Oh, buddy, okay, buddy. Right. Langoliers is actually legitimately good. We're putting it in Bordello. We're watching Langoliers. Uh, any, anyway, Donnie, um, <laughs> are you going to see uh, Pet Cemetery 2? Are they doing another one? Yeah, they've been talking about it. Um, yeah, I'll check it out for sure. But yeah, like I said, I, I'll, I'll I'll keep. I think my expectations will be closer to to what it is. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I, I I think the trailer just I was so prepared for something awesome and and I felt I felt really good about it. Like I loved the casting, like choices that they made, and like you said, I loved like the kind of switch that they made. Um, it's just by the end, I was just like, God, that was like so. You know, it just felt like any. It just it didn't have the special, je ne sais quoi of like, Pet Cemetery the you know the original. Yeah, yeah, I um. I remember there was a scene, uh, Jason Clark, uh, the, the dude from the, the dude that plays the dad, he, uh, yeah. he's like combing the kid's hair and you like hear the hair like rip out. And I was just like, damn, that's fucking great. And that was like, that was my big takeaway <laughs> was like 10 <laughs> seconds of that movie. I was just like solid everything else. I'm just like, that was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> what uh what do you have coming up that uh you would like to plug um dev we, we we talked about it already for a little bit but um we'll certainly certainly uh check out the razor blades in my head it's about uh i think as of midnight, it'll have been out one month. So um, hell yeah, what a so, great timing for us! <laughs> yeah, so so check out the razor blades in my head, my uh, debut collection of of twelve horror stories, um, and 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 certainly in October, I've got the uh, the Gorefest um, anthology coming out, and then that's that's all currently. I mean, I I think like I said er, a little bit earlier, my my next main goal right now. Um, you know, I mentioned that I'm a teacher, so I've got summer vacation for the next like about a, a little bit more than a month. So mm-hmm. I, I I have a couple of ideas for some longer stuff and I'd love to knock out. I don't have to like finish anything, but if possible, I'd love to get like a novella out as well um, at some point, either late 2021 or like super early 2020, uh, 2022. So I don't have any details or anything. I've got like four ideas um, that I'm kind of that are kind of battling, I guess, for uh, for what to to kind of what to focus on. Um, But there'll be something more on that. But for right now, yeah, just check out the razor blades in my head. Hell yeah. Uh, Where can we uh, where can we find you on the on the interwebs What's the the website, the Twitters, the Instagram you got an OnlyFans, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> no OnlyFans yet. I'm still waiting right. to uh, to cross into that. Uh, yeah. That the I mentioned that I'm I'm always looking out to to expand my uh, my 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 brand. Let's say so. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, no, um, 
Donnie Goodman underscore on Twitter, the horror hypothesis on Instagram, uh, and Donnie Goodman on YouTube. Sick. Hell now, yeah. if we want to buy your book, what's the best way to buy it where you get the most monies? So I'm still working. Eventually, the best way to do that will be to. I'm still trying to figure out the best way. To, uh, this is where having a publisher helps, but doing it independently, I just need to figure out a way that I can get author copies and, and sell them uh, without having to do a bunch of like individual transactions. I'm going to try to get a web store at some point that I'll have set up on my um, on on a website. But for now, sadly, the the best way to do it is just to to order the uh, the paperback and and give Jeff Bezos a, a cut of uh, it is kind of depressing when you look at the, the 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 total price and then like the you know I think it's it's it says 70 percent but it never feels that way when you actually right. see the the royalty come in it's like oh shit <laughs> the hardcover is even worse I don't have a hardcover option for uh for um the razor blades in my head, but my buddy Shane Hawk, he he released a collection that's awesome called Anoka, and uh, he just put out the hardcover on Amazon, and I think the hardcover is like fifteen bucks, and he just po- he just was like going over like the royalties. He did like a whole thread about it, and the hardcover royalties for an author on Twitter or um, on Amazon, it's crazy. I think it was like less than two dollars for a fifteen dollar book. Hot <laughs> yeah. damn, dude. So anyway. With that being said, paperback, um, but honestly, just if you if you paperback or Kindle, it does not matter to me. Um, it, anybody check at this point for it being my first release, just knowing that even a, you know a handful of people out there have, have have picked it up and 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 have been reading it. Um, I'm pretty thrilled, and uh, people seem to like it so far, so that's good as well. So, well, hell yeah! Thank you very much, oh, man. Oh yeah, thank you so much. All right, we uh we never have anything to plug, but I guess we should start leaving our own social medias and ways to find us online now because like yeah, which dude. which one of you using which one of you using Griphook? That's Zach. Yeah, you can plug. You, you got a show. I just checked out Griphook. I really liked it. Oh man, that means so much to me. Thank you. Yeah, um, I love the uh, I love the uh, the the manhunt. Uh, the, well, I love two things. I loved the manhunt like imagery in the, yeah. in the. I think that was the header or something. It was just yeah. a graphic, and I loved the. Um, I loved how every song title from the release was a uh, a different a different film. That was really cool. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Uh, yeah, Griphook's got a show coming up August seventh, August eighth, whatever that Saturday is. Now I have to double check. I'm real bad. Blade's gonna have to edit this because it's gonna be. I'm not editing silence. shit. <laughs> August seventh. August seventh. I've got a show coming up. If you're uh, if you're local, or if you're not local, and you want to kill me in public, that's cool too. Uh, it's at Cling Thing in Akron. Uh, I'll be there. We're we're playing at seven. Our set will be over by seven twelve. It's exactly what you think it's going to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Danzac138 because uh, why not? And uh, Griphook is Griphook Band. Uh, Blade, your Blade is spooky on everything, right? Every single platform, baby. A one brand. Hell yeah. One brand. Yeah. I wish <laughs> I would have been that smart. My <laughs> Facebook is something different. My letterbox is something different. I really fucked up. 
So I'm Blade is Spooky on all platforms. Uh, give a shout out to our buddy Donnie Goodman. He's coming back every week for the next two months. Hell He'll be yeah. on next week. Catch us talk about episode. Fucking, uh, that John Carpenter movie that he made with. Uh, the John <laughs> Carpenter movie he made with fucking. God damn it. What's the. Fuck! Yeah, it wasn't funny. Anyways. No! <laughs> uh, so not to jerk you off, but I listened to Grip Hook for like an hour straight at work today, and that's like at least 20 times the album played through because it's fucking like seven minutes. Memoirs of an Invisible Man is the movie we're going to talk about for the next month. <laughs> yes, I'm in a band. Whatever. Uh, goodbye. I love you all. All right. Have a good night.